This is Ryan Martin, the host of Psychology and Stuff. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like psychology. And if you like psychology, you will love All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence out of Phoenix Studios. On All the Rage, my co-host Chuck Ryback and I talk about everything from internet trolls to toxic masculinity to road rage. We bring you mad science, anger management tips, and tons of stories about people losing their cool. You can learn more about All the Rage and other Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast. All right, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the psychology program and host of Psychology and Stuff. And today we have a super special episode because we are backstage at the Widener Center with our SciTalk speakers, uh, Josh Heimrell, Taylor Zulegger, Danny Zahn, Katrina Weber, and Lorenzo Loans. How's everybody doing? Good. 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 Pretty good. All right. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to actually just kind of go around the room, have you take a moment to uh, introduce yourself uh, and tell everybody a little bit about the talk you're going to do. And we're going to start right here with Taylor. All right. Taylor Zulegger is my name, and uh, I'm doing a talk on parent-child relations in developing moral neuroscience. That was perfect. Great. Josh. <laughs> Hello, my name is Josh Heimerl, and I'll be presenting on a passion of mine, uh, grit, emphasizing your long-term goals towards attaining uh, success and uh, student success as well. So, Great. Hi, I'm Katrina Weber, and I'll be talking about the effects of fantasy orientation on your executive function. I'm Danny Zahn, and I'm going to be talking about death anxiety in adolescence and emerging adulthood. Alright, and I'm Lorenzo Loans, and I'll be talking about why some of the circumstantial things that happen to us, uh, maybe, maybe we should start paying attention to the importance of time. Alright, so it is 6 o'clock. The talks start in less than an hour. It's actually 6.01, if I'm being honest. So, the talks start in less than an hour. How are you all feeling? Nervous. <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> Nervous, but excited. Nervous, but excited? Okay. I think my heart's somewhere in my stomach right now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, so I want to, I've got some uh, specific questions uh, for each of you about your talks, because I have had the luxury of seeing all of them. Uh, so um, we're going to, I just have want to go ahead around the room and have you uh, tell me a little bit about kind of well, some specific questions. So Katrina, we're going to start with you. Um, your talk is on imagination in childhood. So I know you to be a pretty big sci-fi fan. Is that a fair yes. description? Yes, specifically like superheroes and yep. things like well, that. Well, I was yeah. thinking Star Wars too. Oh, yes, yes. yeah, that so, is true. So um, so do you think that, uh, I guess my first question, did you have a good imagination as a child? And how do you think that kind of influenced your desire to study this? Yeah, I'm, well, so I'm an only child, so I think that also played like a role. Like I didn't have like a sibling to play with so a lot of my play was pretend related just me pretending to be different people or animals things like that and even when I played with my neighbors we would run around pretend to be like Harry Potter wizards and things since I grew up in that so yeah I definitely say that kind of influenced my interest to be like how could like something as simple as what I play like lead to like my cognitive development so did you have a favorite like imaginary friend or character or did you have an imaginary friend? I did not have an imaginary friend. Um favorite character, I'm not really sure. I guess um I definitely would probably have to say that I really did like to pretend to be a wizard. Like Hermione was like my my role model in life. Gotcha. So anybody else imaginary friends? 
when you're growing up? You can admit it here. It's a safe space. I still have an imaginary friend. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? No. Yeah, I had one. Is it? I don't remember what his name was, though. No? Okay. He's pretty cool, though. I bet. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> um, outstanding. All right, Josh, you are doing a review of the literature on grit. Yes. Um, so when did you first hear about grit, and you know why does it, why does it resonate with you? So I... Earlier in this, this last spring, I was looking around the psychology section at Barnes & Noble, trying to look for a new material to read, and I came aco- across Grit, and how we can use our passions towards thinking so much positively rather than have this negative fixed mindset for ourselves. So I really read it, and I loved it, and I met with uh, Dr. Cowell, and we decided to kind of keep furthering research on it. So. I really believe that everyone has a purpose in how we can really strive for our passions, and I've just been a huge advocate for it, and yeah, so I'm really excited to present on my topic today. So the, your talk isn't necessarily your own original research. Are you doing original research on grit right now? Yeah, well? eventually. Um, okay. it's, we're, um, Dr. Kawa and I are um, still trying to figure out what tasks we can do for participants, okay. but it's been a lot of looking at different literature right. and um, how one kind of puzzle pieces falling together kind of thing. So. But one of the things I really like about the side talks over the years is the combination of like original research but also literature reviews and then also just moving personal experiences and things like that. So mm-hmm. Very nice. So, uh, Danny, um, so I've seen a version of your talk and I know that one of the things you say is that you hate endings. Um, is that always been the case? Yes, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like... Like, for instance, I watched La La Land, and I was so upset at the end that they didn't get together. I was, like, really depressed about it for at least two days. Spoilers for La La Land. Yeah, sorry, my bad. (laughs) No, but I was genuinely upset. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the audience, when I saw that, was really upset. But I really do love that last sequence. I do. It's so nice. But at the same time, I was like, you guys belong together. It was really frustrating. So how are you feeling about the fact that in about two hours, the side talks will be over? Good? Yeah, pretty good. Um, it's been really, <laughs> it's so been really stressful for me. I just, public speaking is not my thing, so. Uh, it's been a lot of work, and I have finals that I should really be studying for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's my thing. Lorenzo, you talk about some of the research you're currently doing. Can you take a moment to describe that a little bit for people, but then also tell us what got you interested in that? Uh, yeah, so we actually, uh, the lab that I'm in now, uh, we, I'm in a lab with Dr. Eric Herzog, and we study circadian rhythms, and generally when you hear circadian rhythms, you think of sleep, and so people think, like, uh, Lorenzo, you study sleep. That's not quite the case. Um, instead, I study an area in the brain that regulates, like, sleep-wake cycles and how, you know, the, this area communicates with all the other organs in your body to generate circadian rhythms. So as it turns out, Sleep is not the only. Every system in your body is actually on a circadian rhythm. And so we're trying to understand how the brain is sending these messages to the periphery. Mm-hmm. So. Very cool. So yeah. it, when did you get interested in that? When did you decide that was going to be your thing? Actually, so Eric is probably one of the most charismatic guys. Uh, and so when I visited WashU, I, you know, I was like, you know, I don't know anything about circadian rhythms besides sleep. And uh, I was like, but you're so cool that I, would, I, I can try and just join your lab and I'll, I'll pick it up and we'll, we'll just go. So a lot of it was uh, charis- being charismatic, but the other part was kind of understanding with the emergent evidence that these circadian rhythms play a big role in this everyday life and that we can get in and try and map out how these things are working. So. so Taylor, your talk is on moral neuroscience, right? All right, so we're going to start out with what is that? 
Oh man, that's a weighted question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess for me, when we looked at moral neuroscience, we want to get at the understanding of how the brain is processing moral and immoral situations. How kids essentially can look at something and say, well, that's, that's a bad action or, you know, maybe that's a good action. And how that carries with them in their development later on in life. Very cool. So how did you get interested in that? Um, Dr. Jason Cowell, he, uh, <laughs> he's kind of the, the neuro guy here, and we were talking one day after class, and I went up and talked to him, and we are basically doing a variant of a study that he did out of Chicago, and it, I mean, it went really well, so. Very good. Nice. So, this is for everybody. I need to know why you decided to do this, right? So, this is a really big deal, and it's not something you're doing for any kind of extra credit, but it takes up a lot of time, as Danny pointed out, and, um... <laughs> You know, and here we are kind of about to do it. So what made you decide you wanted to do this? Where did it come from? Um, for me, so Josh, um, <laughs> I really believe that this is a great way to spread a message of how we can utilize our long-term goals. Um, for me, it's not really about personal satisfaction of presenting in front of people or putting this on a resume of any kind. Truthfully, it's about the message that I want people to get from this. So. Very nice. I kind of agree with Josh. Mine's really, well, I've been to like a couple of counselors for death anxiety and really got told nothing on how to help it. So I guess by like if people get nothing else out of my speech, I want the awareness being spread about how big this issue is for people. I think uh, along, along with the messages, as they both spoke, spoke about, I think for me being an alumni, um, any time that I can kind of afford it, any time I'm afforded an opportunity to come back and speak, and it's in my in my in my mind, it's a way of giving back, and also too, it makes it very real that you know if you come back and spread these ideas on on a, on a stage like this, it makes the dreams of students that are at the institution uh, that much more achievable because they see a student that was there in their same shoes, and that that makes their you know goals just that much more believable, right? Yeah, for me, I guess um, I was encouraged to by my research advisor, but then also um, just to be able to like, spread um, the information that I learned because I think it can be beneficial to anyone that has children in their life, whether it's their own kids or nieces, nephews, mm -hmm. anything like that. So I just only thought it was a message that should be heard. I won't say that I was necessarily forced, but <laughs> you know. um, actually, the message is really important about how we can basically scaffold empathy in children and have that carry on to better pro-social actions later on in their life. So next uh, next semester, we're going to take these talks and we're going to release them via, you know, well, all the places, right? And put them out on YouTube. What do you plan on doing with your talks? Who do you plan on sending it to? How do you plan on kind of sharing that message with people? I have to teach my grandma how to use YouTube. <laughs> so she really wants to see it. She lives in Michigan, so. Okay, so she can't be here, but. Yeah. She, she wants to see it, so I have to teach her how to YouTube. Awesome. Very good. I'll be sending it to my mom since she can't be here tonight since she lives like two hours away and it's a Monday night, so she'll get to watch it then. Um, this is kind of an emotional talk for me and my family, so it'll be kind of sent to uh, my immediate family first, and then it will be kind of spread on Facebook, and I'll be uh, spreading it out to the message, say, watch it on YouTube, or you name it, so. Yeah, it's going on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I mean, I have to, 
I'm gone away from lab, and so this is kind of a justification. So my mentor doesn't rip my head off when I get back, just knowing I'm not in, I'm not in lab. So this is proof that I'm actually doing something meaningful. I'm not just taking vacations, although vacations would be nice. <laughs> Um, you know, you reminded me. So, who all is here to watch it? As far as family, friends, things like that. Parents, some of the maybe I know in particular me the school psychologist that I'm going to be talking about in my talk. She will be in the audience, and people that were big influences for me early on will be uh, in the audience as well. Yeah, for me too. Uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of family that's coming, but I also have coworkers, curling teammates that'll be here, roommates. Um, a lot of people are very influential in my life. So, very excited for that. So. Yeah, I have um, all my roommates who are non-psychology majors. They're all coming after they listen to me practice over and over again. And then friends from, like, the psych department. Too. What they said. Yeah, <laughs> same people pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a moment to do a quick um, shout-out to your sponsor. So maybe we can go around the room and you can tell us who's sponsored and any messages you want to say for them. We're going to start here. All right. Dr. <laughs> Jason Kell, you're the man. Actually, none of this would have been possible without him, so I'm eternally grateful for you. Very good. Yeah, to kind of bounce off that, uh, Professor Kell, you've been there for me from the start. Um, you've you're passionate about this as much as I am and always wanting to learn more. So I really appreciate your heart um, to work with me on this. So thank you. And I'd like to thank Dr. Sawasanzaki for encouraging me to do my senior honors project and then encourage, encouraging me to present it. I probably would have never done either of the things without your encouragement. So thank you. Mine is uh, Dr. Eileen Cupid, who has been amazing throughout the entire process and has spent very a late night with me with my research so thank you yeah and so uh, I have three sponsors to give a shout out to Dr. Cowell Dr. Vespia and Dr. Weinshank all sponsored my talk and just as they did when I was a student here always there and supportive and giving me ways to improve they were they diligently worked with me throughout days and weeks to prepare for the talk and I wouldn't be able to do it without them outstanding so anything you want to say before we call it a day on this just that I hope everyone has the opportunity to listen to our presentations. Yep. So, yep. For those of you who weren't at the talks, they will be uh, available next semester. We'll kind of release them every couple of weeks or so, one a week or one every other week or so for the, for the spring semester. Um, so you got that to look forward to. Anything else before we go? All right, so I want to um, say goodbye for this episode. I want to thank our producer, Kate Farley, and I want to thank Kimberly Weiss, our podcast artist, and I want to thank our intern, Sophie Seelan, who's right here. Say hi, Sophie. Hi. Yes, thank you so much for everything you've done, Sophie. It's been amazing. This is actually it for this half of the year. We're going to have another episode with uh, Golden House uh, in a few weeks, probably coming out mid-January. So this will be the last episode of 2017. So.